0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable.
1: Off my
2: board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful
0: throw by the Baker. Big job. Hasta la vista, baby. touchdown! Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Before we get to your Daily Browns content, I want to talk again about our good friends over at TickPick, who, real-life example, still in Texas, used them for a workouting to go to the Texas Rangers game, used the promo code BREAKDOWN, got the $10 off, but the thing that was awesome was that the ticket that was advertised as far as the cost was the ticket that showed up when I checked out, used the promo code, again, BREAKDOWN, if you go to tick, tickpick t i c k p i c k dot com slash breakdown, you can use this offer to get ten dollars off your first order. I was amazed how quickly the tickets—they great options to show you everything you need from where you sit to how you can, you can get an Uber. It's all linked there. Restaurants around the stadium, hotels. Tickpick's an awesome resource. You should use them. They are the original no. Fee ticket site. So the ticket you see as far as the price in front of you is what you see at the finish line. And that is a unique thing based on today's market. So use tickpick.com slash breakdown. Take advantage of the ten dollars off your first item. And a reminder that if you find a better price seat, they will match up to hundred and ten percent of that cost. So take advantage of the great offer at Tick Pick. And trust me. I somehow found myself at that Rangers game, and this was the resource I used among many others, and it was exceptional. So use it. All right. So now we shift. I'm on my last day. The audio quality will get better. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Real quick, though, we're going to go through some Browns news. We got early today that Odell Beckham is ruled out for this weekend, which again points back to the OBR's Brad Stainbrook, who originally noted that the communication between Odell and the coaches and the training staff and the doctors was week three. That seems to be the most plausible outcome is when the Bears come to Cleveland. That's going to be what they do. We'll see if it stays on course, but we at least know early, and they eliminate the circus of the whole thing. Whether he's going to play this week, they eliminate it early. They say they're going to be patient with this. They're sticking to that plan. I think that's a smart thing to do. Some quotes that came out from Berea today that I thought were interesting. As a reminder uh, from Nick Chubb about... The way we have viewed the vacuum of the Browns' most recent two losses, the playoff loss and then this loss, again, by totals of just five points in the playoffs last year and now four points this year in the ramifications, right? So the question kind of tied back into what Chubb thought about the game. I think for me personally, I was thinking like the season was over again because that's how it ended last year. I had to take a second, step back, and realize we have 16 more games to go. So it's not the end of the world. We did lose, but we can correct some things. Me personally, I can correct a lot of things. We can go from there. That's a nice reminder that y- your brain is thinking about, well, the Browns have lost two in a row because that's what you remember, the, ch- the loss that ended 2020 and this loss here, and you're, you can blow it all out of proportion and not understand the quality of the team you're playing and that there's a huge marathon to be run here. It's great perspective from Nick at the end of the game and then the locker room baker stood up and talked and he mentioned some of his talking points i think we should not beat ourselves up about it because we feel like we should have won that game but there's 16 more mayfield said so it's the mentality of it hey we got to go do our job go out next week take care of business this one should sting you need to learn from it because we had that game and we've got to close it out So I think there's a fine line of walking that. And my message to the team was, you know what? We're going to be really good if we do our jobs and continue to be efficient and move the chains and help our defense by staying on the field. But this one needs to sting. You need to remember that and all the little things that matter. And that's how you need to approach this week of practice. So it's a huge point for Mayfield. And he went on to talk about some other important things. Being critical of yourself, right? Absolutely you should be. And I'll be damned if we're not because we expect to go in there and win. There's also more opportunities. So you have to roll with the punches, face adversity. How do you handle it? How do you handle it the next week? How do you approach the week of practice? And how do you show up? And sorry, how do you know how to show up the next week? I talk about it. you can't let the Chiefs beat you three or four times because you let this game linger. You have to turn the page. And even Kevin Stefanski talked about the message deliver delivered for Mayfield and how great it was. You need to lick your wounds. Right, And then get right back up Monday to get ready to prepare and do everything in your power to get ready for the next Sunday's games, Stefanski said. And that's what Mayfield also gave some quotes about his interception with a minute nine remaining. I definitely wasn't trying to throw it straight to Mike Hughes, who was standing in front of Harrison Bryant and intercepted the football. That's for damn sure, Mayfield said. I was trying to throw it out of bounds. Sorensen just got enough of me to keep it inbounds. And again, we're going to have a show up on Twitch tonight where we talk with Kyle Murphy and we go through every step of that play and why things shook out the way they shook out. It's must-watch. Again, Kyle's great. It's must-watch to understand what happened in that game. You can say, Mayfield went on to say, you can say, throw it away earlier, but then there are the coaching points of me trying to use my legs and scramble out and take advantage of some of the yards. There's going to be criticism either way, Mayfield said. I just have to try and find a way not to take a negative play. So those are the moments where you look back and everybody's going to remember the last play, and that can be different right no matter what has happened previously you can throw all of that out the window as long as you have a chance and whoever has the ball last if you can make that play those are the ones that matter the fourth quarter plays are the ones that truly change momentum especially when you're on the road and the crowd's getting into it in Kansas City yeah you got to make those little plays in the fourth quarter just to keep your offense on the field i'm going to be critical of my game regardless it's going to be games good or bad where i want plays back you make all those plays in the fourth quarter you have to you have to want to make all those plays in the fourth quarter I think it's some great stuff from Baker there. A lot of maturity being shown, and, and uh, you know, I, th- I think that's just fantastic from him. So nothing really else to report out of Berea. Just thought there were some good quotes about turning the page, not letting the Chiefs beat you twice. I think that's important, just wildly important. And then the Odell news is obviously the big one. Now the starting offensive line is also dealing with a lot of injury issues too. Jack Conklin's out uh, with a knee. And then you're obviously missing Jed with the ankle. J.C. Treader missed practice, and I think that uh, Chris Hubbard might have missed as well. So they're a little beat up on the O line, but these guys are warriors. I would imagine everybody but uh, but Jed will be a, a pretty close to lock to playing uh, playing this weekend. I don't have any true concerns there yet. We'll see if some guys get back in a limited capacity. Tomorrow We have a great interview here coming up with Jake Trotter. I'm going to warn you, I had to do this interview in a a not so perfect time of day and in a place that I didn't want to do it. So the audio quality is not great on my end. There's no microphone. I'm using the built in computer audio. And then Jake is actually driving. So there's a, a mesh of two crazy scenarios. The audio quality again, especially with the Odell conversation. When that talking point comes up, is not great. I did the best I could to cut this for you. Again, the audio volumes, the high and low of the, of the levels is not great either. I'm sorry, but I think the content is really good. You know normally I deliver pretty good audio with everybody that I interview. Given the weird circumstances of travel, though, I still wanted to get this interview out to you, and I think it's really good. So let's get over to that interview with Jake right now.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: All right, joined by a friend of the podcast, Jake Trotter. You know him as covering the Browns for ESPN. Jake, how are you? What's up, Jake? Not much, not much. I want to catch up on a couple things. First thing I want to want to highlight for our fans, if they didn't get a chance to read your work on on Baker's transformation, just just talk to me a little bit about the article, kind of how it covered things and what you learned about Baker's total body overhaul.
3: Yeah, I mean, you when you see Baker Mayfield now, and you think about the way he looked a couple of years ago, I mean, it's pretty dramatic and stark, the, the difference. And then when you watch him on the field and you just see the level of quickness, the quick, the quick twitch that he really displays now, the athleticism that just didn't seem to be there, the escapability out of the pocket, you know, and I, I wanted to, to, to tell a story about how he got to that point. Cause it, there's no question, you know, he's put in a lot of work, but what did that entail, you know, and who helped him and, and what was, what was the, you know, how did he come to the decision that he needed to make some changes? So, that's kind of what the the story delved into.
0: So what what changes do you think the, the biggest part, like what routines did he switch up? What, I mean, is this, did, I guess my question, Jake, is did he look that much different from his Oklahoma days when you covered him?
3: In 2019, I thought he did to me. I thought he looked heavier. I mean, he said he played heavier and I don't know what weight he got up to uh, in 2019 or at least toward the end of the 2019 season, but I know that, you know, his trainer in Austin, Texas, CJ McFarland, told me that he weighed about 228 pounds when they started to work out in June. And remember, you know, Baker was posting a lot of those Peloton videos uh, during the, the, the COVID-19 lockdowns. So I would have to think that he'd already lost some weight by that point. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know what, he, what weight he was playing at in 2019, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was in the 230s. And... He's 214 now, which is lighter than what his listed weight was at Oklahoma. So, uh, when you combine that with a, just a, a dramatic dip in body fat—I mean, going from 18 to 11 percent—you um, know, he 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 is in really good shape right now, and he looks like it when he when he's playing.
0: Yeah, he does. He does look better than ever. And you, you, it's, as much as they're moving him around in the pocket, getting him out on bootleg things like that, he needs to. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he's kind of said those things. That's a big part of his game. What did I know we're going on now, the end of last year, two-thirds of the season of great play. What did you take away from his week one performance? I know he talked about missing a couple throws he needed to make, but pretty pretty strong out of the gate showing for what, you know, we, we saw how they came into last year. For where they're at, you got to feel pretty good about it, right?
3: Yeah, no question. I, I thought he played really well. I mean, everybody seems to be focused on the interception at the end of the game, which you know, I think partly it was just bad luck. You know, he got tripped up as he was throwing the ball. Uh, you know, he says he was trying to throw it away and, you know, didn't have enough on it, and, and then obviously got picked off. But, you know, before that play, I mean, he was going toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and, you know, really for a good chunk of the game out playing Pat you know, in the first half. You know, he was 5-5 five of five on play-action passes. He was 5-5 five of five, uh, against the Blitz. I think he was 3-5 on passes 15 yards or further downfield. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was perfect on third and fourth down passing as well. And, you know, you don't go into arrowhead, score three touchdowns on your first three drives and, you know, kind of come close to scoring a fourth there at the end of the first half. And unless your quarterback's playing at a high level and, um, you know, they've got to clean up some stuff that happened in the second half, not just him, but special teams and, 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 you know, busted coverages, but, he, he, I thought he really showed that he's come a long way in that first half from the 2019 season.
0: I think so, too. There's no reason to think it slows down. I think there seems to be a nice cohesion there with what they're trying to do, where they're collectively trying to go. I'm curious as to your opinion on being around them now for a couple days. They're back. Is it an upbeat vibe? I'm kind of, you know, I, I always talk, Jake, about how It's how long do you let a game like that bother you? If it lingers into the next week, it's obviously going to be a bigger problem than if you can turn the page and move on. You don't want to lose to Kansas City twice, you know. You don't want to let that game hang over your head. So just kind of your opinion on what they sounded like today. I know Baker mentioned he had said something after the game. So just sort of what your takeaways were from media today.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think that they are, you know, there's a nice balance there of, like, we should have won that game. We could have won that game but also like, we're not going to let it affect us going forward in a negative way. Um, You know, I I think that they, and you know, one of the the things I asked Baker today was, you know, we'd heard you address the locker room after the game. What did you say? And, you know, he, his message was like, this should really sting because we should have won this game, but we've also got 16 games left to go to figure it out. And if we can figure some of these things out, you know, we have a chance to have a really good team. So I think that is, the core that is kind of being struck at, in, in Berea right now. And, uh, you know, this team realizes they have a chance to be really good. Uh, but I think they also can acknowledge that, you know, if, if they don't clean up some of the stuff that, that plagued them in Kansas city and get better in some other areas, especially with some really, lit, you know, small things, small details, um, you know, they're not going to reach that potential. The, the
0: potential probably lies with Odell, right? Like I would imagine they're going to even another level offensively. And, and, and we'll talk about Anthony Schwartz in a second, but it, it lies with Odell. Did, did you get any vibes going into this game that he wasn't ready? I know he'd been practicing. I've seen a couple clips. I even think you've posted some too. But the no tackling to the ground part of it is dangerous for him. That being his first action in Kansas City would have been tough torque on the body. And I still don't think he's quite running right in some of the clips that I've seen. So I'm kind of curious – did you think he was going to play? Did they lead you on that he was going to play? And then kind of are you surprised with where he's at right now, given I think a lot of people, Jake, anticipated he'd be ready, some of the hype videos, things like that. So I, the general consensus was like, this guy's going to play, and then, oh, yeah, all of a sudden he's not. So just kind of the, the the stuff around that, and I know that Stefanski obviously said already today they're eliminating him this week, right?
3: That's right. And I I thought, listen, I thought he was going to play, but I was never sure. And and I thought it was far from a lock. And that's why when, you know, there were some of the reports over the weekend that he was definitively playing, and I just, I wasn't hearing that. I I, I thought, that, you know, it truly was going to come down to a game-time decision. And so trying to predict whether he was going to play or not beforehand, I, I just, that's not what I was hearing. So uh, I, I, I was surprised that he was inactive, but I was not completely stunned by it. Either, you just kind of think a, a guy in that environment, you know, once it gets to that point, he's just going to go ahead and play. And, and and went the other way. So I think you know, what Stefanski did today I was trying to tamp down the drama. There's just always so much drama with Odell, uh, you know, whether it's his fault or not. It just commands so much oxygen in the room. And I don't think they wanted to make this like a weekly soap opera where, you know, every, you know everybody, including players on the team, are wondering, you know, An hour, an hour and a half, two hours for kickoff. Like, is Odell playing? Like, what's going to happen? So I think I think Stefanski's kind of taking control of the narrative by doing it this way and just saying like, Odell's not playing. We're going to rule him out already. And if next week we get to Wednesday and you know it's still unclear whether he's ready to go, he's going to be ruled out again. And I think they're going to continue to do that until early in early on in the week, Odell tells them, okay, I'm ready to play. Uh, they, they don't want to go through another situation where, you know, they, they get they get to warm ups on the field and they still don't know whether Odell's playing because I think that's the way it was going to go uh, for the next you know two three four or five weeks however many it takes and uh, unless they Stavansky did what he did today,
0: I think it's smart. Uh, you eliminate all of the, the 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 bigger insiders going after whether he's playing. Or, yeah, it just eliminates the circus and I think that Anthony Schwartz. The youngster who I didn't – I mean, you know, I think that's one of the biggest personnel takeaways. You could talk about David Njoku's usage and maybe that's surprising, but we had no clue. I mean, I don't even know, Jake. You can can touch on this, but there wasn't much of him in camp to get a clue, like how how far along this young man was. We know he can run. It's not a secret. But how nuanced he can be. Can he run over routes? Can he run the pylon route we saw for a huge – you know, he bobbled a little bit, but it was a huge catch. Like some of those things, the timing, the pace – were things that we hadn't seen because we didn't even get to see much of him in Atlanta. So I just kind of, the game starts, it's going first drive, boom, they hit him on a 16-yard crosser, next drive in the first quarter, boom, 44 yards. It's like, this kid is a focal point of the game plan. And he is further along than I think many of us were even led to believe because of exposure to how far along he was. So I guess what I'm looking for from you is, were you as surprised as the rest of us? Or had you seen something that said, hey, Anthony Schwartz is a pretty real player here and they're going to focus on him week one? Well,
3: there was nothing to glean from practice that would have suggested that Schwartz was going to be a big part of the game plan because he's not been practicing. You know, he'd had the, the hamstring injury throughout training camp, and so we didn't really see much of him. And when he did practice, it wasn't like he was doing anything that notable. So I have to say it was a little bit of a surprise, but, I mean, when you think about it, he brings an element they just don't have otherwise, and that's the speed to take the top off of defense. And until Odell comes back, uh, they're going to need Schwartz to play a lot, uh, and and as much as he did Sunday, and I thought for it being his first game, he did he did well, you know he made some plays. Uh, you, you think about though that the, I guess this would have been like midway through the fourth quarter. I, it was right before the 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 Scottish Hammer punt drop, where he's got one on one coverage and it's probably not the best ball from Baker, but certainly a catchable football, and he doesn't come down with it, and you wonder. Okay, that was the first time the entire game. I wondered, okay, if Odell Beckham is in the game, is this a different result? Does Odell come down with that? And I think maybe Odell comes down with that play. Uh, and, and kind of to your earlier point about Odell, I mean, you know, he—it's it, weird because he is the one element that you know can really take this offense to another level and, and, and thus the entire team to another level. But in some ways, he kind of is an element that can sort of torpedo them because they offensively have looked really good without him, you know, going back to the middle of last season and looks good again on Sunday without him as well against the defending AFC champs. You know, I'm not somebody that prescribes to the the theory that like they are better than, you know, better without Odell necessarily, but um, I think it's certainly on the table that they might be better without. him. Like, I don't think it's uh, ridiculous to suggest that this offense just might flow more Seamlessly uh, without Odell than with him, just based on what we've seen. But at the same, time, Odell raises their ceiling, and I wonder if Odell makes that.
0: Yeah, I think that's the huge thing we're going to have to pay attention to. Right? Is the the data we, we've been all, we've all been kind of we've all been kind of waiting for that data. We don't know. I mean, I I'm with you. We don't know for sure. I don't know whether it'll happen that way or not. I think that it's kind of silly to think that in the in your mind to think that Odell would bringing a good player like him back would cause problems, right? But it could happen, and you're waiting on data to figure that out. I think there's plenty of reason to think it'll work itself out in time. We'll have to see how it goes. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, if he draws quarterback's attention from going to the best place at the right time, that's something that we have to pay attention to. And I do I do think you're spot on with the fact thinking about, and that ball is thrown to, to Schwartz, like that's a ball because somebody who has the most physically gifted mitts, like you know, reeling in long throws – engulfing the football where I too, my head said that's where thirteen probably comes down with the football. So it's give and take. It's gonna be a fascinating thing to follow. So, you know, offensively Odell kind of lingers. Is is he going to raise them or lower them? We have to figure that out. So the other thing I want to talk real quick is defense. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to talk to many of the guys defensively, but I thought they Although they gave up 33 points, some of those things were not inflicted by themselves, and they handled themselves pretty well. With the, you know, I thought you had to keep KC under 35, and you had to score five touchdowns. That was the recipe. It was right in front of them. They had a chance to do that. And I know the defense can get frustrating sometimes with some of the things you have to do to Kansas City, but they present such a unique challenge that keeping the explosive plays to a minimum and funneling them is really intelligent way to go about it. I just was curious what your takeaways were defensively and and what you've gotten from talking to the guys about how they thought they played collectively,
3: yeah, I mean I, I think that they came away thinking that they played okay, you know not perfectly and certainly not well enough down the stretch. I mean, they were put into some tough spots. I mean you look at the thirty three points and um you know that doesn't tell you that they, they took over after Jamie drops the punt or yeah drops some stop of it. Uh, you know, they're at, it, it, in the fourth quarter. You know, the Nick Chubb fumble led uh, to a field goal. And then with those guys, it's just one play. You can play defense great for most of the game, and then you just lose track of Tyreek Hill, and that's seven points right there. So I, I thought that they did fine. Um, I think that my biggest takeaway was man, Miles and Javion Clowney are getting a quarterback like every other snap, it felt like to me. And They weren't necessarily sacking Mahomes, but there aren't many quarterbacks, if any, that can do what Mahomes can do in terms of escapability out of the pocket. And I think that that combination of of Miles and and Clowney and the way they look together really bodes well uh, for this defense. Because these guys are elite as a pairing. Uh, It's going to make everything so much easier for everybody else on that defense.
0: I think so, too. And then you get Malik Jackson playing pretty well. You get the other Malik, Malik McDowell playing pretty well. You have a pretty formidable group. And I even thought Jordan Elliott had some flashes, too. So, yeah, there's, you know, KC is the top echelon, man. You can't make sweeping judgments about this defense based on one week against the, the most challenging team to cover in the NFL. There's no doubt they're the most challenging team. But with that, Jake, comes the ability to handle maneuvering quarterbacks. You know, you're going to play Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert in a couple weeks. You're going to play – potentially Justin Fields week three who can get out of the pocket move. And we all know about Lamar. So everybody's kind of curious. Does, does Jeremiah Wusukor see an uptick? Because he only played 25 snaps. I know he's their nickelbacker. He's the guy who comes on the field when they pull some people out of base, take Mack and Taki Taki off the field. You run on JOK. You run on Troy Hill. So I was just kind of curious. I mean, do you think that he sees a massive uptick as they try to figure out a way to, to bottle these quarterbacks in? Because if you let some of these guys play backyard football like Mahomes, where they get out of the pocket – and they're just making throws on the run or cross their body. Like it just, it presents a, a really unique challenge. So I'm wondering if 28, 28, can be an answer to some of those things, you know?
3: Well, I think that's what they drafted him to be. And and I would not be surprised if he, I mean, I would be stunned if he doesn't play more and more as the season goes along. I mean, I, I already consider him, you know, he's going to be the starting you know linebacker alongside Anthony Walker at some point. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think he's going to continue to, to play more and more and his speed you know not only you know against these quarterbacks but just in, in terms of covering uh you know the, those those athletic tight ends which was, i mean the browns for whatever reason just cannot cover travis kelsey in in the red zone going back to last year it just every time he's able to get open against them and you know jok is a guy that you know they feel like that can, can be the modern type of linebacker and There's nothing I've seen so far that suggests he won't get there. So I I think he'll definitely continue to play more and more.
0: Yeah, it's just how creative they want to get because they, like you said, with Clowney and and Garrett who can turn the corner and pressure a quarterback to step up, when you do have them step up, which is such a unique thing, it's how do you handle them moving and sliding out of the pocket, right or left. It's ideal to think your defensive tackles can do it, but they're not always fast enough to detach from blocks and then get to the quarterback moving out laterally. So you start considering whether a spy – And that's where the likes of 28 could be a nice guy to, you know, you kind of funnel a quarterback to a step up decision and slide. And that's where you can make a play on him. Listen, this is Jake Trotter again. He's fantastic. Works a a great content over at ESPN. You can find the link to Jake's story on Baker's body transformation in the description of this podcast. You can go directly to it and read it. I urge you do so. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. You know where to find him, Jake. Thanks so much for taking time for us, man. Thanks so much, Jake. Good to catch up with you. Okay. Special thanks to Jake Trotter for joining the show again. Sorry for the audio. I know it wasn't great, but I think the content was great. So that part, I hope you did enjoy another reminder about Twitch tonight for your Thursday show. I'm going to try to do almost two and a half, maybe three hours of film. Kyle Murphy, a reminder who does fantastic, uh, O-line coaching, a former Arizona state player on the great team with Jake Plummer, In the late 90s, great insights. We did it for the Atlanta game. This one was a ton of fun. Very informative. A nice 50 minutes of just quality O-line film and discussion. It's great. You need to check it out. I'll have our OBR guru, John Stephenson, on to talk about defensive issues that you might have noted and wanted questions answered on. And then I'll have Baker film at the very end of that. So a three-piece film room extravaganza. Coming at you. Thank you to our sponsors, TickPick. Make sure you're using them for all your ticket needs if you plan to go to the opener this weekend or the Bears game the following weekend. And uh, make sure also you're listening to Brownstown, which put out a fun episode this week on the Tim Couch debacle and Chris Palmer and all of the madness around Butch Davis. Well, well, well worth your time. Andre Knott does a great job with it. Thank you for joining today. I hope you enjoyed it the, this podcast. And if you'll continue to share the word on this, I will always appreciate it. Check us out on Twitch tonight at seven o'clock. Have a great, great Thursday. And as usual, go Browns.
2: mypatriotsupply.com